Welcome back to another episode of Ends With Z. I'm Juan Fernandez, along with Cecile Munoz, executive producer Sean Moe, and John Silimparis is joining us for today's episode. Um, first of all, uh, before we get started, hello, everybody. Hello, Juan. Good Hi, to see you all. Uh, we want to we thank our, our new listeners. Apparently, we've had a, a nice surge of listeners in, in the I last know. month. A lot of people have found our podcast, Ends With Z. Yay. We appreciate you. If you like what you see, please make sure to like the episodes wherever you listen to our podcast. Go to our website, endswithz.com. We're on Instagram as well, at endswithz. So we're super duper happy to hear from you. And we love building this community of mm-hmm. like-minded people mm-hmm. who, who who enjoy listening to what we want to talk about. And, and today, um, we are speaking about a, a very interesting, a very timely topic. Mm-hmm. Isn't that right, Cecile? It is. And, and But before we get to that, yes. how was your Thanksgiving? My Thanksgiving was great. As you know, in the news business, I work Thanksgiving so I can you have do. Christmas and New Year's off. Um, I went to lunch at a friend's house. I've been going there for the last three years. My partner was up in Sacramento with his family. So it, for me, it was normal. For, for a news person, that's a normal Thanksgiving. It was great. I was around people I knew. They were so welcoming me uh, as always. Mm-hmm. So oh, that's I nice. I had a good one. What uh, about you, John? It was nice. Part Friendsgiving, friend, Friends Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. Uh, yeah. And part family. So oh, it was nice. Very low-key, didn't travel, stayed in Oh, LA. you stayed in LA. I like hearing low-key because usually these events, uh, these holidays bring a lot of stress with people. I, I was texting a friend of mine at work who, who was giving me a play-by-play as to what was mm-hmm. happening at uh, his home for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Not fun. I mean, oh, typical no. family drama, but, you know, it happens. What about you, Cecilia? You were with family. Oh, yes. yes. I was back in my home in Arizona. And the, the the first thing I have to say is I walked in. Apparently, I have a pool table now. My sister. Oh, oh surprise. <laughs> it was great. It was, so that tells you how flexible I have to be with my house there. It's really the fun house, which is brings me great joy. I walk in. I look to the left. And I, Sean, I think I sent you a picture. Oh, I didn't. I, I no. have the pool table. Yeah, it's really mm. cool. It's the fun house, but in a good way. In a the very. Fun house. <laughs> exactly. Fun well, house. it depends on the on the <laughs> evening and the discussion. So I turned to my left, which is technically, I guess we can call Uh it the formal living room. And there's this huge table. And it was wonderful because it brings all the kids. By kids, I mean my nieces and nephews who are in their 30s, some of them in their 40s, and some of them even 50. Uh Um, They they were there till really late. We were up till 2, 1, 2 in the morning playing pool, all the generations, to the point that at one point the kids said, Vicky, that's my family calls me Vicky, which is my middle name. They said, we're going to have to bump out that wall to the house because we need more room and we should have a foosball table and we should have this. So so by the time the weekend was over, we were talking about how we're going to do construction wow. to the it's house. It's becoming a Dave and Buster's uh, it's because, <laughs> house. Or, right? or a Chuck E. Cheese, depending on who's playing. But <laughs> but it was really fun and it was loud. Uh, it was crowded. I I cooked. Sounds um, it was joyful. But yeah. the, best, the best joke that I heard uh, from my brother who tells quasi-dad jokes sometimes, uh-huh. he said... Um, if you if you here's a trick for you at Thanksgiving, you should bring up politics in the election. That way, you'll be sure to only have a very few Christmas presents yeah. to buy at Christmas. So, which is kind of what uh, what we always want to talk about around the holidays. How do mm. we become better people? How do we connect? Yeah. And how do we engage? How yeah. about you, Sean? How was Thanksgiving? Mm-hmm. It was good. I stayed in town and went to a friend's house for dinner and. 
um, it was local, so so I you guessed it just traffic. like I did. I love guesting. I'm not a great host, <laughs> but I love guesting. Yeah, I took you show dessert, up. Did you go? Yeah. Oh, what and, did you bring? Well, I I baked some of my famous cookies. Yeah. And um, I picked up some gluten free desserts for oh, the host who right. couldn't you like know, me. Yeah, Don's just like you. He can't have anything. Oh, you bring the best, the best gluten free. Those special. are good. Yeah. 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 And, and before we get started with today's episode, and another, um, you know, shout out to uh, John's yes, uh, social John. media, John Cillian Paris. You've been really uh, cranking up those um, yeah. posts on Instagram. Um, I always love those. I, I tell people when I see them posting from the car, there's something very intimate about it. And you give people little, you know, nuggets of wisdom. So, Which we all yeah, need. Yeah, yeah. And what is your Instagram? Thank you. It's fun to do. So it's the it's just J Cillian Paris. So the first letter and then my last name. Wonderful. They're fun to do. Wonderful. All right, well, let's let, let's get going here with um, something we've kind of talked about way back when, when we first started in uh, 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, it's artificial intelligence, but we're adding something new to it, which is the artificial empathy yeah, aspect so of it. That was episode seven, which mm-hmm. we did July 20th of 2020. Right. When we were in the, I know, that in, long in ago. In our baby stage, John. <laughs> I can't mm-hmm. believe we were... We were hitting up some pretty heady topics, I know. Uh, even in our early years. And it was, and it's so interesting because I think about about how we were talking about artificial intelligence and how we think about all of it, machine learning and all of that. Mm-hmm. And if you, if I think of it from that perspective, in three years we have fast forwarded to trying to oh, explain yeah. what artificial intelligence is and Especially algorithmic this year. learning mm-hmm. to what. Now, today, we're talking about, if was that a real person or was that mm-hmm. AI and being able to clone your voice from just hearing it for three right. seconds, all this other really Deep fakes. crazy that stuff, stuff that's mm-hmm. happening. But you guys did a really interesting article or just, a episode on, uh, yeah, on the a, news. A news story. We call news it a story. news story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was actually last night, which uh, Sean uh, caught some of it, too. And it was yeah. basically using artificial intelligence um, in medicine um, to help locate... Um, breast cancer and women. So it aids the mammography where the technology was fascinating. They could put the cursor on an image, uh, basically an ultrasound of Mm -hmm. the breast. And I think it was less than 0.3 seconds. um, The computer would come back saying probably malignant. Yeah. And, and you know, the, um, the AI is taking all this information, all this learning that it's constantly doing right. And can, weave it all together and immediately help doctors. And I think they said um, this AI in, a, in conjunction with doctors, obviously it's not pulling the doctor out of the equation, but it's finding 20% more cancers in women, which as we know, a lot of mammograms, many mm-hmm. times, you know, you go in, um, you have a mammogram done and, and they clear you to later find something down the line. So there's some very good aspects of of artificial intelligence. Well, that's the thing about artificial intelligence in its very nature. It is constantly learning. It is Mm -hmm. able to process Mm -hmm. bits of data at a a factor of speed that we can't even imagine Mm it. I mean, theoretically, our brains are still uh, much more powerful than the current state of artificial intelligence. It's just that we don't right. access those aspects of our of our brains. We we don't have that ability. But in and its of itself, it it processes so much information. And mm-hmm. now what it can do, it can now continue to learn. It continue to learn. It can now learn from itself or by itself, right. mm-hmm. which is can be a little scary to think about that they no longer AI no longer needs the human input to to teach it what to learn. It is learning by itself, mm-hmm. um, and so. Uh, there are a lot of great things that about that that will catapult us to 
to do things that we can't even imagine now. And the way I like to think about it, and perhaps the way we want to frame this discussion today, is I think, and, and the way the those who really support an aspect of artificial intelligence, which is what we want to focus on today, which is artificial empathy, mm-hmm. is that it allows the humans to be better. It allows the, the, the human beings to be better at the things that we humans can do mm-hmm. by giving us additional support. I have a certain perspective on that, but uh, that's why we're here today to talk about that. And so, John, given your field of work, uh, I'll throw it back at you and just say, what do you think about all of this? How do you see it affecting? Because it does do some great things in the mental health industry. Right. So AE obviously is here to stay in the healthcare industry. We know Mm -hmm. that, so make Mm -hmm. no mistake about that. But in terms of telepsychiatry, uh, chatbot therapy and all that stuff, it's a little bit different. There's even Um, a term for it, right? Chatbot therapy. I just saw it in a couple of articles, Gosh. but I'm not sure mm-hmm. if that's what they're actually yeah. calling it. But um, it makes sense. It feels like progress to me because, you know, everyone's reaction to it immediately is, whoa, what? You know, that's that sounds impossible. Uh, everybody bristles. Everybody raises an eyebrow. But you have to look at it this way. Um, a little over three years ago, before the pandemic hit, what was widely available but not really adopted was online therapy. And in my mm. industry, online therapy... In other words, therapy that's not mm-hmm, one-on-one mm-hmm. was completely unacceptable. It's not going to be effective. Right. You have to be in mm-hmm. the same room with the person. So not only did we adjust to that because we had to make that shift to remote therapy, uh, but it actually has exceeded it because now more people come to therapy. Mm-hmm. It's the best thing that happened to our industry wow. in many ways. People from remote places uh, in the country don't have to drive two hours to go see a therapist. Mm-hmm. They can do it from their home. That's right. There's re- uh, insurance reimbursement. So many aspects of it. So in many ways, it succeeded it because think about it. If you take away the barriers to coming to therapy, Mm -hmm. driving, gas money, traffic, daycare, um, you know, leaving work and all that stuff. If you take those barriers Mm -hmm. away, more people come to therapy. So I'm just saying that in the same way that we look at this AE, um, you know, future use of that um, is just progress. And it's just going to be a while for us to adjust to that. We have to acclimate to it. I think it also takes away um, the emotional barrier of having to mm-hmm. to confront uh, the, the the telemedicine uh, the, or the teletherapy, mm-hmm. uh, having to get in the car and walk into a therapist's right. office. There's a lot of uh, a lot of anxiety, perhaps, mm-hmm. or stigma about that. You yeah. you do it mm-hmm. uh, through you the phone or Zoom. You might feel more comfortable at home Correct. in your living room or your most comfortable chair, That's wherever right. you're doing it from. So Correct. in general, it lowers the barrier to accessing mental health services. Uh, there's more anonymity. You can do it in the safety of your home. Mm-hmm. You don't have to sit in a doctor's office. Um, but there's also been some, and this is from one of the articles that uh, Sean sent us. There was an article, uh, I think it was in the cybernews.com, where they did some surveys, and there mm-hmm. are people that say that they feel maybe a little bit safer talking oh. to an unbiased mm-hmm. machine, let's say, that they will be judged less because mm-hmm. therapists have judgments. Of course, And if human. people are very sensitive to that, mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there's some movement in there for that. Yeah, I was reading, I think it was in the same article, John. It says artificial empathy operates to serve a functional purpose that these algorithms, right? We all talk about the algorithm, how we get our information. Um, It's trained to predict and produce socially appropriate responses. So you're getting the basic, you know, the, the non, I guess, judgmental response to to your problem or that's your my query. first deviation from seeing this as all good that is my right. first deviation okay. and i'll tell why you that? why why that is because you're 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 making the assumption of the 
the clear predictability of human feelings and human mm-hmm. emotion and human mm-hmm. behavior. We are, if anything, completely unpredictable individuals That's right. That's right. that are principally guided by emotion. And as we are guided by emotion, we're also guided by suggestion and reaction to our emotions. Mm-hmm. I'm not the therapist you are, but mm-hmm. I'm just talking about my own, uh, my own experience of life. Um, and that that is where I where I think to some level that does make sense, especially chatbots and, and and from a customer service perspective. If you have these questions or you hit these buttons because you have these concerns about right. product X, then we're going to send you to this source of support and we're going to we're going to say these things to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a human being in crisis or a human being Correct. that feels lonely. Right. I, I, it might predictively think that they should say X, but that X is going to take me down a rabbit hole right. that maybe a human being that really understands the difference between knowing what you're saying and understanding right. what you're experiencing yeah, would the, not. Right. Psychiatry, psychotherapy is not an exact science. Mm-hmm. And so psychotherapy relies on uh, the subjective. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's story is different. Everyone's reaction is different. Mm-hmm. Everyone's background is different. So remember, the AE interventions don't originate from an innate mechanism of deep understanding, human understanding, but instead from an algorithm based right. on data. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're absolutely right. It, that's where it starts to get tricky. Now, we don't know what, what's going to happen in the next 10 or 15 years. It might get so good, it might be even better. And that's the fear, right? That's the concern. But how can a machine I get know. better than a human? <laughs> I know. Well, here, here's Someone well, explain that to me. Well, here's so, another thing that I wanted to say. Sorry. Um, is that, remember, psychotherapists, even like myself, mm-hmm. um, we're not always at our best. We don't always say the right things. We get tired. We get burnt out. We don't yeah. always consistently have the empathy to give, which we call f- compassion fatigue. You know, yeah. we have we have oh, off I understand dates. that. So think of an entity, right. a machine that can, you know, easily detect emotions um, uh, and respond in empathic ways. Think of that machine doing that consistently without fail to the person that really needs to be listened to. Something to think about. On the simplest form, I'm, I'm just talking about Alexa, right? Uh, she's in a lot <laughs> of people's homes. She's artificial intelligence to a certain point. Um, they've now developed a program in her that if, if I'm in bed and I want to know what time it is because I need to get up, um, if I speak in a low voice, she whispers back the answer. So, I mean, it's it, it's something very simple, huh. but I mean, like, if I say something like, you know, Alexa, what time is it? She'll go, <laughs> it's 1045. That's and crazy it to is me. Cra- <laughs> the first time. I didn't know this was happening, but the first time that happened. Did it freak you out? <laughs> I thought there was somebody under my bed. It was really crazy. And that's. That's AI in its simplest form, right? But the more yeah. we get used to it, we're right. going to be less right. impacted by mm-hmm. the creepiness of it. <laughs> the creepiness of it. But do we want to get used to something that is not human telling us that they understand how we feel? And what does that say about the well, truth about humanity? Well, understand that they're trying to get elicit the best response or the best result out of you, by saying what they're saying, if you're not, I guess if you look at it just from that level, then I don't, you know, how is it wrong? If they're getting you to your best self mm-hmm. because they know what to say to get you mm-hmm. there. And, and we've gotten comfortable with AI a little bit. Mm-hmm. We know it can mimic intelligence. Yeah. We just not, we're not sure and we bristle that can it mimic empathy. That's the thing that we, we wonder about. Given back the going back to the subject. So should we be suspicious, John, when we get these responses back? Just again, turn on our our human side and go. Let me think about that. 
I would be simply because it's still in its mm-hmm. infancy. And mm-hmm. as Sean said, it's going to take a while to get used to it. But I think like any new invention, we're yeah. going to get past it. Remember uh, in history books when you read about, you know, when the printing press started? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, don't, I don't remember what year it was, but, you know, people were probably getting upset saying, well, we're not going to talk to each other anymore. We're going to read books right. instead. Where are my kids? They're off reading books. We should be talking to each other in front of the right. fireplace. And we got used to that one. So we're going to get used to this one eventually, and wow. it's going to get better. Yes, people talk about in in uh, 500 years, we're going to talk about mm-hmm. life before AI and after AI, whatever that life is going to be. <laughs> um, I... I I agree with what you're saying, but I still go back to um, the fact that I, I think that we as humans, we are hardwired to seek true understanding, true human connection. And just because we get used to the fact uh-huh. that it's artificial intelligence and right. that it is helping us, um, I, I don't know that I, I don't know that I want to be around at the at the tipping point where we, we are comfortable with that and we can fall in love with our robots instead of another right. human being. Well, right. you said humans are hardwired for those things, but we don't live in that ideal place of human empathy. Correct, but that doesn't but what's the point from that? No, the point is that yes, that that's how we're hardwired, but that's not how we are always uh, um interacting with each other. I agree because I think so that I agree with and I agree that mm-hmm. perhaps this could help because I think that we're at a period of time where we have never been more seemingly inclusive of people's differences but at the same time so divided yeah over anything the closer really, we are the, the farther apart correct we are, yeah. that mm-hmm. we very quick to to push each other away we mm-hmm. seem to have receded to our own packs or even the, the 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 four walls of our homes we're not as social anymore loneliness is on the rise and so i can see how this will give someone maybe a, a what is it a, a prosthetic of of mm-hmm. human contact but what or, is that or what? a false sense of security because it feels like it's bringing you closer to somebody but mm-hmm. you're really isolating yourself and talking to someone that's not real those um, are my questions and yeah. those are my fears. So it may pull us apart even more. But there are studies that, you know, and remember the, the mental health industry, psychotherapy is like a big ship. It mm-hmm. has a big turning radius. It's hard to make changes. But studies show that uh, re- the relationship between the therapist and a client is one of the best predictors for success in treatment, which means that it's critical that a patient feels a sense of trust with the therapist. Mm-hmm. Can they develop that with a chatbot? Um, yeah, that remains that to be sense. seen. Mm-hmm. You know? Do you guys remember the movie? I know I always go back to movies. movies uh, yeah. Blade Runner, which was mm-hmm. on the book. Do Android Ford. do mm-hmm. Androids dream of ele- of electric sheep? And there was that one character uh, played by Sean Young that she didn't know she was an android mm-hmm. because she had memories implanted and she could really feel. Her, these childhood memories, and that was a mm-hmm. that was a very disturbing moment for for the for the for the robot to for her to come to terms with. I'm not real, and it's so interesting because that was what 30, 40 years ago. I don't know when that movie Long came time out. Ago. And and it seems like here we are. We are actually talking. There is real possibility. There there are real life instances where where uh, people could have a, a very deep, seemingly personal, which we probably have to come up with another term. Intimate relationship with an close relationship, an inanimate yeah. object, mm-hmm. right. an object or a, or a being or an entity that just exists. It might be a new kind of trust. I trust that the chat bot therapy 
machine <laughs> is going to always say the right that thing the for me. That the algorithm, right? Well, that's what they're saying, and right? And maybe I'm okay with that. That AI is, is using that algorithm to produce the most socially mm-hmm. um, accepted uh, phrases or, or, and personalized as well. I like what they're saying now, that right now it's to enhance and not to replace. Yes. Mm-hmm. I can see the chatbot therapy doing great with yeah. intakes, discharges, gathering information, mm-hmm. uh, maybe helping with case notes for the for the clinician, but then passing it on to a real person. Mm-hmm. I, don't think, I don't think the technology's there just yeah. yet. I had a friend who actually used a chatbot, and he didn't tell me almost till the very end that it wasn't a real person at the end of the, um, of the conversation, that it would ask how you were doing and based on his answers it would formulate a, a response and he did say in some interesting way that he did feel a little better after you know getting it off his chest or but he didn't know he was talking to oh, he shit. did he just didn't tell me until the very end i said what wow. uh, it wasn't a real person because i know during the pandemic a lot of these apps came about where even even my company through my insurance they they constantly push out an email every once in a while where there is online therapy available to anybody who needs it. So he enjoyed it and he liked it. So, right. and that was probably in the infancy of, of this chatbot therapy. Right. The other argument is, is there is benefit and it is good life experience and good life skills to learn that even your therapist is flawed, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. even your therapist is mm-hmm. going to make mistakes and not always say the right thing and not always be consistently empathic the way that you want, because that will inspire you to speak up and create a relationship with someone. The chatbot probably will not have that problem because it probably won't make mistakes. We'll always have the answer. Right? Always have the answer. Mm-hmm. But speaking of movies, if you go back to 2001 Space Odyssey yes. with Hal, remember Hal Dave. goes nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Hal loses his you know what. What are you what? doing, Dave? Uh, exactly. So that <laughs> was right. too, that whole mm-hmm. ship was basically relying on Hal. And Hal messes up because Hal doesn't realize uh, that he is uh, fallible. He thinks that he's infallible. Mm-hmm. So do you think it's important for uh, a patient to know if he's or she is talking to a human versus a chatbot? I guess I'd have to let you know, right, John, ahead of time, that like it's some sort of click this box to know you're not really speaking to somebody. I would hope they would do that. Right? I'm not sure how that works, but I would like to know who I'm talking to or what I'm talking to. And the to. fact that we don't know, that also concerns me that that I would want that disclosure right up front. Um, When you were saying the benefits to using uh, AI uh, from an intake intake and and scheduling and all this and then pass it on to a human, even note writing, those pieces of of AI are are really important and we're using them in a broader sense across business and Mm -hmm. it's allowing business to be more efficient, It's, it's allowing uh, and professionals to move things or cases in, in any industry further along. So I agree with you. There's a lot of benefit for that. What do you think are the biggest benefits to the healthcare industry, especially since people are, you know, we're, we're lonelier, we're coming up in the holidays. It's a very challenging time for, for human beings today. So Cecile, to answer your question, um, getting back to the lowering the barrier to mm-hmm. mental health uh, services, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, since the pandemic, and even before, but since the pandemic, the access to um, therapists, to live people, has been inadequate. Mm-hmm. And so if this um, can add to that in any way whatsoever, to start the process, get people more engaged, again, do the preliminary stuff mm-hmm. before you get into the real therapy, I think is the game changer. 
I think it's the way to really? think about it. Really? That's yeah, good. I really do think that. It's However, one of the unintended um, benefits mm-hmm. of the pandemic, right? It catapulted us. Oh, yeah. It, it did. It, mm-hmm. Again, it exceeded uh, mm-hmm. our expectations. But remember, here's another thing to remember that since mental health is such a high stakes kind of industry, mm-hmm. um, you know, too much reliance on AI or AE over, the, over time could be dangerous. And that has to be mm-hmm. perfected because it could be dangerous to people that are at risk for suicide people that are at risk right, for self-harm. Right. And that has to be regulated a little bit better. Mm. And that's a big challenge because we're having a challenge overall regulating AI right. and, and So I can tech. see AE and AI being good in the short term right now from my limited vision in the short term, but I'm not so sure about the long term. And maybe that's what the learning is going to entail. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's a big deal when the White House is reaching out to Xi Jinping in China and says, we need to find ways to regulate artificial intelligence because i mean look at TikTok, right um everybody was so concerned about it being a chinese company having your your personal information that's that's something to be concerned with Mm. so it it is something very serious well for me if you if you're if you're working with a chat bot Mm -hmm. and the bot and you have concerns troubles issues uh, uh as a patient and it's learning and the chat bot somehow is manipulated and gets you to to move down a path to change your behavior that to me is is concerning i'm sure a, a therapist Good or bad, right? an evil-minded mm-hmm. therapist could do the same thing uh but uh or a, a tired therapist or a tired a burnt out th- therapist but I, a therapist would have that checkpoint where they would check back like if if, if one of your um you know uh, patients, clients, right, come to you and, and you write something down, okay, they said this about that. The next time they see you, you can go back to your notes. A chatbot may not do that. You might just get another version of that artificial intelligence, right, That's who, true. who may not check back with you and say, hey, remember when you said this? Yeah, I'm wondering if it will, learning also involves having really good memory about what was said two wow. sessions ago. Mm-hmm. That's a good question. I'm curious now maybe booking a session with a with a chatbot, but I don't know if it would be productive because I have already have a preconceived, as all of you can tell. We, uh, should, we should do a podcast with that and do it live. Oh, my goodness. That, that would be, would be something. That fun. would be yeah. something. We could ask it, you know, or whatever. We could pretend we are coming to them, you know, seriously right. with an issue. That would be great to, to do. That I, I would be comfortable do doing that. Intake. I think I'd be a little bit more open-minded. We could pretend to be a married couple um, having problems <laughs> and see what they say. I mean... Oh, I have right? a lot of history on that, so I, I can pull from <laughs> yeah. recent well, events. We could be a family. There okay, you go. There you go. Oh, that's yeah. even better. Yeah. Family with a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs> we can pull from a lot of data for that, too. So what what do you think is the difference? We, we, we keep talking about empathy. So, so talk to us as a therapist. Um, how, do we, how do we as humans give good empathetic support to our friends, especially during the holidays? And, and where could we seek that? Or how do you see that? a chatbot could be supportive in that way. Well, I've always said that the best empathy we get is going to be from people that we care about and care about us. Mm. You know, the human contact is incomparable. But let's define empathy now that we brought it up. So I see it as, and this is paraphrasing from some good literature on empathy, it best describes the ability to understand or feel what another person is experiencing within their frame of reference as a clinician in that sense, to communicate that effectively and with authenticity, meaning it's specific to their subjective experience. So I'm not sure that artificial empathy can do that in the immediate sense to be able to walk in someone else's shoes that way. Another thing to remember Mm -hmm. is that artificial empathy can indeed learn to build trust over time, but can it maintain trust? 
You know, um, to me, true empathic interactions come from the heart and not from data. Mm -hmm. And And AI is all data driven, right? And from understanding, I I believe that the, the, the truly the, the greatest gift that you can give another human being is understanding them. I may not agree with you, but I, but for me to understand from your point of view, from your life Mm -hmm. experience, from Mm -hmm. what you need in your life, that's what's important to you or harmful to you or whatever the issue is but being able to truly understand not because the data tells me that because i can understand what you're feeling it's true i can empathize with what you're feeling and allow you to right to be that right. whatever that be, is you could be loved like in my family i felt loved yeah. but i didn't feel heard mm-hmm. i didn't feel understood and whenever i did feel heard and understood by outside people like my first therapist it was literally like giving me oxygen mm. i could i see could that. breathe yeah and a bot would be, you could, I could see you being, you feeling heard by a bot, but not loved. Mm, I don't know. I guess, see, that's, yeah, that's the sort of conundrum that. right there. We're not sure about that. <laughs> Maybe being heard consistently over time mm-hmm. creates that trust and creates that feeling, that of, love. feeling of feeling wow. loved. What if a bot is listening to us now and it's learning all Probably of these is. things? You're you know right. what? Well, I wouldn't here, be surprised. So. Our phones are constantly listening. We yes. already know that. We'll get... Uh, advertisements for exactly what we're talking about if speaking of movies minority report with um yes was, um tom cruise yes. right uh-huh. um it was so futuristic where he's walking through this you know uh, future city and and the billboards are are giving them you know basically hand-picked ads for you it seemed so crazy but we're living in that now we are. And it was about this. They had the human factor, the sentience, I think they were mm-hmm. called. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But the algorithms were predicting whether or not you were going to kill that person. And they were arresting you and judging That's you right. based on what the technology predicted you were going to do without you having done it yet. Isn't that crazy? And here we are. We're not we're far there. from that. We're there. Mm-hmm. Right. Another evolution to think about is, remember when therapy was in its infancy, psychotherapy, Yeah. it was still very Freudian. It was mm-hmm. lying on the couch and free associating and talking to somebody that doesn't talk back to you. You just talk to them. In fact, you couldn't even see them. They were sitting behind you taking notes. And explain why that was Because the, the therapist needed to be opaque. You uh-huh. didn't want to say, wow, Cecile, my therapist, she looks like my mom. God, when she gets angry like that or whatever, when her nostrils flare, uh, that reminds me of my mom and that would damage the therapy. You needed to be a blank slate, an opaque person. Is that why they were always kind of sitting Mm -hmm. behind the page? I was wondering that. But that has so changed. That's so old school. Now, there are so many modalities where the therapist is much more collaborative. They're much more part of the conversation. And, you know, that took a long time to turn that big ship. So, again, as Sean was saying, it's progress, which we're going to get used to. But like you, I'm like you. I'm skeptical, very skeptical right now. And it's important for people to be skeptical. We all just can't jump into the AI pool and expect it's going to be making wise choices for all of us, right? No, but I don't think we can throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. We really need to get this regulation uh, aspect mm-hmm. of it worldwide mm-hmm. figured out because the horse is already out of the gates. And again, if it's going to bring people to therapy and it's going to help people that usually didn't reach out, and it's just better for the mental health of the world, I'm all for it. I'm in. I'm not worried about my job being taken no. away to a chatbot. No, but it would be I. weird for a, ther- for a client to say to me, you know what, I'd like to work on a different type of modality. Could you refer me to a patient, to a therapist? <laughs> and I say to them, I got a great chatbot for you <laughs> that you would love to talk to. He or she is really great. That might be something, you know what? Right. Uh, something that uh, in the future could be connected to your 
you know, payment plan, and suddenly that chatbot's part of your staff. Well, I, as these yeah. younger generations become more and more digital, right? I mean, they're more than digital native. That's all they know. Then maybe it's not going to be an issue for them. And the anonymity again is good for them, and mm. the lack of judgment that they might experience. I was going to say something. Well, I'll go say ahead and it. say it. I'll say it. I have an ex-husband that would love a chat box because they would never get tired of listening, and <laughs> and so maybe that's a group. But I'm bum. A group of patients that would be. Happy to to have someone. I think we all know people like that. I think just we like do. Talk, talk, I, talk, I, and talk. And, I think yeah. we do. But going back to mm-hmm. to the regulation, and I know pe- sometimes when you, we say regulation, it, it has this sense of um, limitation and, and prohibition and a bad thing, but it doesn't. And and I say that for one simple reason: the man who was actually credited with creating AI is saying we have got to get some regulation yes. around this because That's right. the machines are learning faster than we have the ability to predict or control or guide or, or have some modicum of oversight. We have to do something. Mm-hmm. And just because we can do it doesn't mean that we should do it because we don't know what's going to happen to to the very essence of humanity. That's why I think something on a global scale, collaboratively, in agreement where we seem to not agree on anything, has to happen. You know, when the creators of this thing are telling you, mm-hmm. you know. Right, we need guardrails. We, serious guardrails. If there are no guardrails, then yeah. we're doomed. Well, that's a, <laughs> that's that's true. That That's true. I, I want to know mm. from you, uh, John, if you were to if you were to have a patient, and maybe I'm putting you on the spot, walk in and and say, "But my other chatbot therapist is telling me this." How do you handle that? Have you if they're a client of mine, mm-hmm. an existing mm-hmm. client? I think it would open uh, more dialogue, right? Yeah, I don't know that it would be entirely negative. Um, mm-hmm. Well, it depends what the chatbot <laughs> said, but I would right. see it as here's another angle, here's another opinion. Let's talk about it, and if it's working for you, I would continue to do it. And I say that for, for this reason, in the work that we do uh, in my firm at U.S. Executive Search and Consulting, we we use these algorithmic-driven um, talent, skills, personality, mm-hmm. skill set assessment that basically tells you, you take these series of questions, immediately prints out some information that says you're, you're someone that is more uh, prone to follow the rules, you're more risk-taking. You know, we, we've all grew up with these, these uh, personality assessments, let's call them. And we have some clients that will look at an assessment and say, we're not going to interview that person. We're not going to talk to that person because he or she doesn't fit within that framework. And conversely, they have um, been very excited about someone, brought that person on board to lead a very large group of people. And the result um, was completely different than what they anticipated. So my point being, you know, again, we human beings are very multifaceted. Mm-hmm. So where we might take some information that is given to us by a non-human being and think, okay, that's it, that this is who I am, I've got the notes, I've got the data, I'm going to go forward. How do you unwind that? I don't know. That's a, such a trust issue that mm-hmm. I can Going only rely on a human being to be able to understand me that way. Correct. But let me ask you this. If you were getting minor surgery, right? Nothing complicated. Mm-hmm. Would you rather have it from a machine that's done it millions of times or a human that's done it millions of times? Or a combination of both, which would be mine. Okay, ideally I would want it have a combination of both, number one. Number two, if it was a, well, you said minor surgery. I think for minor surgery, I would rather 
I would rather have a, I would, I think I would always go with a human. If it was major surgery, believe it or not, I would be more prone to have a human do it than a machine, probably a machine, probably for minor surgery. But why do I say that about major surgery? Because I would want the surgeon to know exactly who I was, that if we were Mm -hmm. in major surgery Mm -hmm. and my life wasn't going to be on the other side of it, once he got in there and opened me up and realized that, that he would know or they would know what my preferences were and make a decision of, we can't go forward. And for me, I would rather have a human too, because in my mind, and maybe I'm fooling myself, but in my mind, the human might be able to detect if there's trouble and Mm -hmm. be a little more discerning about Mm -hmm. having made a mistake. I'm afraid the machine, if it does make a mistake, knock on wood, I hope it doesn't, but if it does, how I I don't trust that the machine is gonna be able to accept fallibility Mm -hmm. and say, you know what, I messed up. I made a mistake. And then how do you mm-hmm. fix that? They've already cut into you. Correct. Again, that's just my own musing around that. So um, I think to Sean's point, I think the younger generation would probably say they'd rather have a machine. But for me, I'd rather have the human. Well, listening to you both, you know, I, I, I've talked about it here on the podcast. I had cardiac surgery last year and it was two attempts to get the job done. And in the first attempt, um, they went in and in this very, you know, high-end um, mm-hmm. cath lab with monitors. I'm on a bed that's a sonogram. They could see through my body. Anyways, they couldn't close the the hole um, in the heart right away. And I could hear them because I was awake. Um, they go through through your legs, so it's, it's not very invasive. And it was the doctor knowing that he couldn't do it when he came to my mm-hmm. head here and, and bent down. And he's like, I am so, so sorry. But it's we can't do it. It's it's not happening. I'm gonna have to send you to a specialist to get the job done, which thank God did. Um, there was concern in his voice. There was disappointment in his voice after you know I kind of came out of it and was being sent home. He came back and apologized once again that um, he couldn't do what he wanted to do, which is to do his best job. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Um, while it was in a very modern lab, it was the human touch, the empathy yeah. that, uh, you know, I was upset. Yeah, I'd have to start this journey all over again. Now I'm on the other side of it, but still. And, was, and the humility yeah. around that too. The yeah. lack of hubris in there. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes. See, I'm thinking of Hal again from 2001 Space Odyssey. <laughs> uh-huh. A lot of hubris, lots yeah. of egomania in that machine. That's they, right. They didn't, they didn't teach it empathy. And this is, so, so... Yes, and I think it's, and we have that point of reference because we are mm-hmm. of a certain generation. Mm-hmm. But You're the generation right. that was born in technology, they're looking at from the point of coming into being forward. They may not have seen those movies. They may not have had those conversations. So to them, there's a lot of acceptance. And that's why I think we have so much disconnect right now because there's the multiple generations that are looking at things from a different point of reference. But Mm -hmm. Juan, to your point, as you know, uh, I had a minor or I attempted to have a minor procedure yesterday at Cedars, which is a wonderful hospital. Wonderful. And Mm -hmm. we couldn't proceed because another problem Mm -hmm. arose. And there was the doctor and two nurses and, well, one technician in the room. Mm -hmm. And I think if it was a machine, they would have gone forward. It would have not given us the, the... the rec- the findings that we probably needed yeah. to to get to get to the information, I can't tell you. I'm still upset about it. Not at them. I'm still upset because I'd mm-hmm. been waiting for this of to course. happen. Mm. The doctor was so, and the women were so empathetic. They kept holding my hand. Both of them walked me yeah. out the door. The doctor, 
um, kept holding my hand and saying, I'm so sorry, so, Cecile, it's going to be okay. Please call us back. I'm going to mm-hmm. call your doctor. We're going to figure this out. I am so sorry. I would do it, but it's it's going to make you very uncomfortable and we won't get the readings that you need yeah. and we're just going to have to have you come back, which again, a machine would have said, well, we'll do it. If she has to come back, so she has sorry. to come back. Mm-hmm. Please come back, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they must have taken, I'm not kidding you, an extra 15 minutes with me because they could see that I was just, I was being very nice and smiling, right? The manufactured acceptance but they could right. see me they could see that i was really how, why wouldn't i be and that i have empathy for you listening yeah. to the story of course how couldn't you be and that's the difference between going home and being okay with things and going home and making horrible decisions or or feeling worse about things mm-hmm. and so I, I agree. We need to we need to be better humans we need to give love to each other more we need to you know, bring better understanding. Um, and I and I find places for artificial empathy. I think I'm I'm on the fence of having a lot of questions around it mm-hmm. versus not. Also, yeah. So we have to re-examine, re-look at even the idea that maybe human beings cannot attach to a conversation agent. Mm-hmm. You know, to a machine. Maybe they can. Uh, again, with the consistency, there was an article in, the, in Time magazine that says there is research to suggest that people can develop connections with conversational agents like chatbots. And with access to traditional providers hugely inadequate, there are clear potential benefits to relying on them as substitutes. But can AI truly duplicate the experience of talking and growing close to a therapist? And here's the big question. And should it? Yeah. That's the question. Because there's a difference between mm-hmm. being understood and saying the right things. Yeah, right. Big difference. So as we go into the holidays, mm-hmm. John, um, what what points of advice can you give us as we as we maneuver through the world of AI and AE and human connection and seeking human connection? Because I, I believe that we're talking more and more to bots without us even knowing. Yeah, I mean, I would I would suggest to people that if if they're confronted with that and that's offered to them in some way, shape, or form, to be, it's okay to be skeptical, and that um, you know therapy is so available now. Mm-hmm. If you have a computer, I guess there's no excuse to not reach out and get help, mm-hmm. and it's best to do that. There are so many ways to do it, and it's very affordable mm-hmm. now. You don't have to go to a private practitioner that doesn't take insurance. It can be through your insurance. So at least dip your toe in, into therapy and at get least, the ball yeah. rolling, right? Yeah, because loneliness is up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mm-hmm. considered an epidemic. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal about the the, the effects, the serious effects of loneliness, yeah. and how we're becoming more lonely uh, and 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 introverted in, or, or receding mm-hmm. into our own lives. And I thought, my God, if it's in the Wall Street Journal. Right? We, we don't we don't see it as psychology today mm-hmm. or, or vogue or any magazine that any of us would read casually then it is it is something for us to think about um, and and again um, I, I I find that I experience that more I find myself less resilient lately because of everything that's happening in life and and maybe I should be oh like I said more open to to not being so stuck in my ways I think for the most part, it has a lot to do with social media. It's not the whole story, right. but it's easy to be home by yourself mm-hmm. and connecting your with phone. people on mm-hmm. your phone, connecting maybe with hundreds of people at a time, but you're not actually connecting physically with somebody. And we all know the research shows that 
you know, actual contact with people, being with somebody and actually having a conversation is healthier. It lowers blood pressure. It mm-hmm. reduces depression. It reduces anxiety. Uh-huh. And a whole host of mm-hmm. other types of physiological and mental health conditions are, again, uh, reduced mm-hmm. when we have human contact. The other thing I wanted to say is that you know, the cliche is true, it's cheesy, but humans are really social animals. Mm-hmm. So we have to be in contact with people. But another downside to the AI revolution's ambiguous future is AE could be taking advantage of millions of lonely people in ways that yeah. pull us further from each other, right? That's so it true. tricks us into thinking that we are connected when we are more disconnected than we ever were. So is talking to a chatbot and doing chatbot therapy is it something that's going to cause more detachment or more isolation? That is the question. And John, this leads me to something that I was reading here as well, and I quote from it, a discrepancy might arise from ChatGPT's ability to craft instant conversational answers, while physicians molded by rigorous clinical training and time constraints offer more succinct, actionable advice. However, it is crucial to distinguish between conversational fluency and actionable medical counsel it uh, ends up saying here, the rapid data-driven capabilities of AI chatbots might seem attentive, mm-hmm. uh, but the clinical judgment of physicians uh, is irreplaceable. Right, the fluidness mm-hmm. in the conversation, I get that, we're mm-hmm. gonna see that, but yes. Well, I'd like to remind all our listeners yes. all over the world that we four are humans with all we our are. flaws, <laughs> with all our, our good and our bad and our picadillos. And we're proud of that. And we're proud of that and our That's human right. experience. And so please uh, come back to us, listen uh, to, to this episode and all our other 61 episodes already mm-hmm. and, and, and talk to us and engage with us and engage with people around you because mm-hmm. the best thing still out there is human connection. And we're so excited. 2024, we're entering our fourth year of mm-hmm. Ends With Z. We started this in the pandemic. So again, to our listeners out there, reach out to us. What would you like us to to talk about? Uh, share your experiences with us. We're really easy to find. Isn't that right? Yeah. And it, but above all, engage with humans. And that will bring us to the end of another episode of Ends With Z. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please share and tell your friends. You can find out more about us at endswithz.com. For Cecile Munoz and executive producer Sean Moe, I'm Juan Fernandez. Have a good one because above all else, you matter.